Except for one part of it. Go ahead. I'm on scene at 108 South 17. We've got uh, light smoke showing from a single-story commercial building. Working fire, make it a regular alarm. Engine one upon arrival. Let's uh, let's see if we can get in. Let's see if there's an FDC in the back before we do anything here. I'll be establishing 17th Street uh, Command. Regular alarm at But uh, I want to remind everybody, take a moment to remind everybody, number one, that taxes are due, not next Friday the 15th, but the following Monday the 18th due to the holiday. Or, of course, I guess you could file an extension. Also, Justifiably Proud Productions is on Twitter at JustProud9, and our email is JustifiablyProudProductions at gmail.com. And um, tonight, I just it's been a while since we've visited, and uh, I've just appreciated all the listeners and the people who've been uh, <clears throat> tuning into the show. Um, it's been it's been a couple busy weeks just at work and school and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's due. We're overdue for an episode. Let's get started with what's the word? Jamil, what's the word? What's the word, man? All right, so I wanted to I wanted to talk a little bit about geography tonight, um, and it's just something that uh, I've been learning about uh, with some education that I'm that I'm going through right now, and I wanted to talk about the Rio Grande Rift, and it it has to do with the te- tectonic plates and uh, all the kind of stuff that goes on with the Earth. But the Rio Grande Rift is a north trending. Now, this is a, in according to uh, Wikipedia. The Rio Grande Rift is a north-trending continent rift zone. It separates the Colorado Plateau in the west from the interior of the North American Creighton on the east. And for those of you that may or may not know, a Creighton is an old and stable part of the continental lithosphere, which consists of two, Earth's two topmost layers, the crust and the uppermost mantle. Uh, having often survived cycles of merging and rifting continents, cratons are generally found in the interiors of tectonic plates. The rift, the Rio Grande Rift, extends from central Colorado in the north to the state of Chihuahua, Mexico. In the south, the rift zone consists of four basins that have an average width of 500 kilo- uh, 50 kilometers. Excuse me, 50 kilometers. The rift can be observed on location at the Rio Grande National Forest, the White Sands National Park. Santa Fe National Forest, and the Cibola National Forest, among other locations. 
The Rio Grande Rift has been an important site for humans for a long time because it provides a north-south route that follows follows a major river, the Rio Grande. Um, the Rio Grande follows the course of the rift uh, from southern Colorado to El Paso, where it turns southeast and flows toward the Gulf of Mexico. Important cities, including Albuquerque, Santa Fe, Taos, Española, Las Cruces, El Paso, and Ciudad Juarez lie within the rift. The Rio Grande Rift represents the easternmost manifestation of widespread extension in the western U.S. during the past 35 million years. The Rio Grande Rift uh, uh, consists of three major basins and many smaller basins that are less than 100 kilometers squared. The three major basins from the north to the south are the San Luis, Española, and Albuquerque basins. The rift's northern extent is delineated by the upper Arkansas River Basin between Leadville and Salida, Colorado. Further south, the rift is defined by a network of smaller, less topographical, distinct, alternating basins and ranges. The distinction between these smaller basins and those of the basin and range province become blurred in northern Mexico. The basin size generally decreases to the north in the rift through the Española, I'm sorry, though the Española covers approximately 120 kilometers north-south and 40 kilometers east and west, and the San Luis is roughly 120 kilometers by 80 kilometers. These basins may contain smaller units within them, such as the Alamosa Basin within the San Luis, which is bounded by the San Juan and Tusas Mountains on the west, and the Sangre de Cristo Mountains in the east. The Albuquerque Basin is the largest of the three basins, spanning 160 kilometers north-south and 86 kilometers east and west at its widest points. It is the oldest of the three major basins and contains 7,350 meters of Paleogene clastic sediments deposited on Precambrian basement. The southmost Albuquerque Basin contains pre-rift volcanic deposits, while the central and northern portions contain volcanics erupted during rifting. So just a little bit of geology. I've been learning a lot about the earth. I'm, I'm currently in a college course uh, for geology and uh, it's really interesting stuff. Um, sometimes I feel like I don't, uh, I don't get engaged as much, but it's really interesting learning that the, the earth is truly, I mean, it's alive. I mean, it's, it's, uh, when you look at the, the years involved, the time involved, how the, the, the continents move uh, every year. I think it's two inches per year a continent continent moves. Um, and then I'm learning about rock formation and all that kind of stuff. And I know a lot of people may may downplay geology, but it's uh, as far as the science. I'm glad I took it because it, it's it's really interesting and it's captured my attention. So I wanted to take a moment and just share a little bit about um, the Rio Grande Rift. So that completes today's what's the word. All right, so I've been doing some thinking, and uh, I know we, you know, this this channel is supposed to be about life, legacy, and uh, leadership. And sometimes maybe we don't do a lot of talking about leadership and stuff. And of course, uh, it's geared to the fire service because that happens to be my career. But I want to take a moment and really talk about decompressing after the work day or after a shift. And again, I think I'm thinking you can take this and um, apply it to any career that's out there, any any job or career. Um, today our episode is called Apparatus Anatomy, and basically, um, 
I'm talking about a fire apparatus, but I'm talking about, you know, a lot of us may think that, uh, what, what's the most important tool, you know, uh, well, I can do anything with a sledgehammer. Uh, I can do, you may hear, I can do anything with a pike pole or I can do anything with a halligan bar. There's all these tools of the trade. And I want to just, just provide some food for thought. And I want you to think about if you're a firefighter or first responder out there, what's 24 inches long covered in diamond plate and provides multiple aspects of relief. I'm talking about the extended front bumper on a fire truck. Now, some of you may say, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is, you know, back in the day, um, if you grew up in the 80s, of course, the booster reel was the big thing on a fire truck. And you may see an extended front bumper on a truck, but usually it was to just hold the pedestal, the Q2 pedestal, or the light from Mars you'd see on the front of the truck. But what really what really brought the uh, extended front bumper into the the front lines of the fire service was the um, was the trash line on the front. And my understanding is the trash line was meant to take the place of the booster reel, but those of you who uh, are fans of the booster reel know that it it didn't really do that. I mean most most fire trucks you see now if they have one, they probably have both um, because they serve different purposes. But as a selling point, that was the deal: is hey, instead of getting a instead of getting a booster line on your truck, why don't you get a front bumper line or or what's known as a trash line? So now you got your 24 inch extended front bumper, or 21 or 24 inch extended front bumper, right? And it's evolved over the years. It it went from having a chrome face uh, to now their steel channel painted. Uh, now you may see it with uh, spray and bed liner on it. You may certainly see a lot of the, the channel bumper on the front with uh, Chevron um, to provide visibility for the truck. Multiple lights are now mounted on these extended front bumpers. You got the air horns either inboard or outboard of the frame rails. There's many aspects of the extended front bumper. But I want you to take a moment and think about the last time you actually utilized uh, the extended front bumper, whether you have a, a bumper line on there holding 150 feet of hose or not. Think about it. Reflect back. You'd be surprised how often that thing gets used not on the fire ground or not, not for firefighting or not for responding. But think about it. Think about how many... Think about how many um, purchases have been made with your fire chief and a vendor sit on that front bumper. Think about how many uh, marriages have been helped by sitting on that front bumper and chatting. Think about it, how many times you may or may not have been um, uh, counseled, for lack of better words, or disciplined sitting on the front bumper of your apparatus. Um how about the last time you went to a fire? Did you sit there to find relief to get some rest? Did it provide a nice a nice place for you to rest? Maybe switch out your bottles, sit there and take a breather? Um, have you, you know, many a couple episodes ago we talked about how back in the day a lot of us would sit on the front bumper and dream about the way things, the way we thought things ought to be. You know, and I, I just, when we're talking about apparatus anatomy, I think, in my opinion, 
that the extended front bumper just provides so much more value other than just holding 150 feet of hose and a nozzle uh, to deploy for a dumpster fire, car fire, or what, what have you. And I'd like for everybody who listens, whether you're whether you're a firefighter or not, to think about where is your place that you go to to decompress. You know, um, maybe if you uh, respond in an ambulance, maybe maybe it's in the back of the ambulance to chill out. Um, if you work in an office or a bank, maybe maybe you have an area other than the break room where you know that you can go and, and chill out when somebody's upset you, or maybe you're having a rough day or a tough time. And I can tell you from experience that it is it it's great to have this right. You're you're coming up the ranks. You're a firefighter. You're a driver. You're a lieutenant, and you have this place in your fire station that you're able to go and take somebody and talk to them about something that maybe did or did not go right, uh, did, or, did went wrong or right. Um, maybe they're having trouble financially and they need to talk to somebody about it. Maybe they just want to sit out front on a nice evening like tonight and look at the traffic go by. And reflect about how they're responsible for X amount of people that live in their fire district. But there is some true value to that thing. And what do you do when uh, you don't have that anymore? What do you do? Where do you go? You Let's say you move up the ranks and you become a, a district chief or a battalion chief or some kind of incident commander on the shift where you're responding by yourself. Where do you go to down to, to wind down? You know, there's a coffee house, I'm sure, in your town that you can go to or, or what have you. But you jump out, you jump into these higher ranks to uh, to make a difference. And in reality, you're kind of you're kind of on your own. Now, fast forward into jumping into an administrative position where, by all means, you don't have you may have a team working below you, but it is difficult to find a place like the front bumper to go and wind. You know, and and um, I just I wanted to talk about that, about the apparatus anatomy and how that has if if you've been in the fire service long enough, you can probably think to a time when you've sat on that front bumper and uh, something impacted your career, whether you're a volunteer or career or maybe you work in a hospital and there's a certain area where you you remember I remember exactly where I was when this happened, or I remember exactly how they took care of this issue. You know, for us, a lot of times it's that it's that front bumper. So, you know, I don't know if anybody, um, if anybody's been counseled a lot lately or reprimanded or whatever, but man, I mean, um, there's times where I've been slapped harder than Chris Rock at the uh, at the Oscars, you know. Um, luckily, I fortunately I've never I've never had a, a written reprimand at my my employer or anything to that effect uh, yet. You know, I'm still still eligible for that. But um, there's times where yeah, you you get scolded and you you need to, you need to go somewhere and, and decompress. But let me just share a story talking about leadership and how, um, let me give you one example of how an issue was addressed with me on the front bumper many, many years ago. Many, many years ago, we had a uh, structure fire and I believe I was driving an aerial that day and um, the fire, 
the first arriving engine already had fire attack going. There was a lot of activity going on. There was a lot of people there, like the police and stuff, where I uh, I didn't really know what was going on. But um, we there was still smoke pumping out of the house, and for whatever reason, um, I decided, hey, let's let's. Uh, I grabbed a couple other guys, and we went up and decided to cut a hole in the roof, uh, vertically ventilate it. Right. Well unbeknownst to me we're up there cutting the hole without being told to do that and uh inside um it just it was a fire scene that uh, this was going to complicate things it, it normally wouldn't have been a big deal except that this particular scene happened to be um a crime scene and us doing more damage to the house was not helping the situation so anyway the fire the fire finished we cleaned up um when we got back to the station, I, I think it was like the next shift. We had a post-incident analysis. And the captain at the time, uh, who later became one of our one of our actual fire chiefs, um, he let me have it. I mean, he told me that, uh, well, he didn't really let me have it. He let my officers have it, that nobody had asked us to go up there and ventilate. And, um, and uh I wasn't in the room, but they came out and sat me down on the front bumper, and I believe the other firefighters were there too. And uh, it, with with some very choice words, they kindly told me, "Don't ever do that again. Don't ever do something without being told uh, to do it." Right? And uh, they—I mean—they were harsh. I mean, you can imagine what kind of words were used. But what I remember most about that scolding on that front bumper was at the end, both of those officers who are no longer, they're retired now, they're enjoying retirement. Both of those officers, I mean, they were red. They were, the captain obviously chewed them up and down. Both of them said, by the way, that vent hole y'all cut, it was picture perfect. Keep up the good work, you know? And to me, that type of constructive leadership is um, sometimes it's hard to find these days. Uh, Sometimes it's always been hard to find. But uh, the biggest thing I remember about that, of course, was the scolding. And yeah, you're right. I shouldn't be doing stuff I'm not asked to do. But at the same time, at the end, it was solidified with, hey, we got a good crew here. You know, you made us proud by that by that textbook vent hole you cut. And so, you know, when it comes to leadership and um, doing things like that, whether it be punishment or helping another another uh, fellow em- employee, um, I think it's important to to recognize what's important. And I've said it before: uh, people don't know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You know, and there's nothing worse than um, there's nothing worse than flying high with something good going on and just having the air deflated and the wind taken out of your sails. And I can testify to that. Um, it brings down the division. It brings down the people. It brings down the the uh, everybody that's working towards a common goal, you know. And so I'd like to I like to try when I when I am having a make those tough decisions. You know, one of the, one of the promotional books we took that I recently had to study like eight times before my last promotion, it took me like eight or nine times to finally get promoted. 
it talked about the hardest. One of the questions was the hardest answers, the hardest choices are between right and right. Is that right? The hardest questions, I think it's the hardest questions are between right and right. And I get that. I get that, that the bosses need to, you know, they need to make a decision. But there's a, there's a way to do that. There's a way to do that and to still accomplish the common goal and really look at what, what matters. And so, you know, when we're talking about, um, I don't want to call it a safe place or safe haven, but think about your workplace. Think about your home place. You know, uh, where do you go to unwind, to talk, to think, to to make it through life's challenges. I mean, especially these days with everything that's going on, um, it's hard to get away and decompress. I mean, uh, I was in an event last week where one of the speakers said, she said, you know, when you're a kid, this, this makes perfect sense to me. Um, when you're a kid, life seems to go by real slow. And I remember I, it, it, I couldn't wait to turn 16 and drive. I couldn't wait to turn 18 and vote. Couldn't wait to turn 21 to have some alcoholic beverages. Right. And, and, but so you're growing up and, and actually it wasn't 18 to vote. It was 18 to use tobacco. Right. Which I don't use anymore. But, um, the, uh, the, uh, the world seemed to spin a lot slower back then and time took a lot longer. And her point was that when you grow up to an adult, man, it's like, it goes by like, like that, you know, in the blink of an eye. And she attributed that to, we have so many responsibilities and so many things to do on our to-do lists that life just goes by. And, and I can, I can, I can certainly understand and, and agree with that. That uh, when you get overwhelmed with everything and start looking at all the stuff you got going, like right now I got my wife and I own a business, a full-time firefighter, still got a teenager in the house, um, got, uh, I'm going to school, you know, uh, trying to do other, other, I'm a part of some fellowships that I'm a part of, I help out with the church, I have commitments with my church. And, and it's all positive stuff. I'm not saying, I'm not discounting any of that stuff, but that may be one of the reasons why life uh, tends to go by super fast. And um, it's important to take a moment, find your front bumper, find your front bumper, find your tailboard where you can sit down, relax, chill out, take a breather, you know, between the next run and, and think about, think about, uh, think about what's important and how you can, how can you, how can you, uh, how can you make your day better? You know, um, find your front bump, front bumper people, you know, that's, uh, that's a good, good starting point for all you firefighters out there. Find your place to chill out, talk, talk shop. You can talk shop. You can talk, uh, family, you can talk school, you know, but the front bumper is a great location to uh, provide relief from whatever maybe maybe it's not challenges maybe it's thought maybe you need some insight maybe you need some uh, inspiration you know why don't you start with the front bumper we'll see you next time on justifiably proud everybody have a great week and uh, don't forget to do your taxes take care everybody.